0: John chapter 7, I want to return to our journey through the gospel of John. My subject this morning is simply the impact of living water. If you recall, the passage that, we were looking, that we're looking at today follows one where the crowd is divided about who Jesus is. Some said he was a prophet. Some called him the Messiah. Some called him a demon. Some just simply thought he was crazy. The backdrop for all of these conversations is the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles. That feast is a fall feast that celebrates the Lord's goodness and the Lord's provision. How many can celebrate both of those things today? That the Lord has been good and the Lord has provided. On the very last day of the feast, they would commemorate the Lord's provision in a very specific event in Israel's history back from Numbers chapter 20, when God brought water from a rock. Now, God had told Moses to just speak to the rock, and water would come out of it. Moses, in having issues with the way in which the people were complaining, instead, he spoke to the people, and he beat up the rock. He took a stick and beat it up. And God still provided Now that miracle of bringing water from a broken rock was something that was celebrated on the last day of the Feast of Tabernacles in a very specific ceremony of an outpouring of water. The focus was for all on, especially on that last day, was how God miraculously provided in a time of need and in a time of trouble. And in the midst of this sacred festival, this feast that the people of Israel were enjoying and commemorating a tremendous miracle that God provided, in the midst of all this, there's this raised voice that shouts from the middle of the crowd. John chapter 7, I'll begin reading in verse number 37. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing his word, some of the people said, Surely this man is the prophet. Others said, (laughs) he is the Messiah so others said how can the Messiah come from Galilee does the scripture not say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem the town where David lived thus the people were divided because of Jesus some wanted to seize him but no one laid a hand on him every time I see that phrase in scripture it reminds me Pretty much of today, the people were divided because of Jesus. I want to draw your attention to the Greek word that is used and translated in the beginning of this passage for loud voice. It literally means to scream or shriek. This was not, excuse me please, moment. Jesus declared for everyone to hear that whoever would believe in him would receive living water and in addition to that rivers of living water would flow out of them but there were two requirements for this to happen you had to come and you had to drink so before diving into those two requirements and this thing called living water, I want to talk about the qualifier that John provided in this gospel. In verse 39 where he said, by this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him would receive later. Up to that time, the spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. The Holy Spirit is prevalent throughout the entire Old Testament and is often associated with water. The Holy Spirit anointed the prophets in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit anointed the kings in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit anointed the priests for the various functions that they were supposed to perform on behalf of the people of Israel. But overall, looking throughout the entire Old Testament, the Holy Spirit's anointing was confined to specific offices or specific people. Like whether it's prophet or priest, Or individuals whether it be Moses or Elijah or Samson but God's plan was not for this to stay that way as the prophet Joel declared in Joel chapter 2 verses 28 and 29 and afterward I will pour out my spirit on all flesh on all people your sons and your daughters will prophesy your old men thank God will dream dreams and your young men for Peter will see visions even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in, on, in those days. Aren't you glad the Holy Spirit is available to every believer today? No exceptions, no restrictions. It doesn't matter who you are, what position you hold within the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit is available to all flesh. This promise, though, that was prophesied by the prophet Joel, was fulfilled in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, I begin reading in verse number 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you this. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 o'clock in the morning. I have to laugh at that. He's using as a qualifier for them not being drunk, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on your servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. In this, on the day of Pentecost, this is what Martin Luther would, let, would, would later, as the Reformation began, basically coined the phrase, the priesthood of all believers. God's power available to everyone. You did not need to go through an intermediary. You did not need to see someone specific. God's presence and God's power were available to you and me every moment of every day and right away. No intermediary was needed. This living water, this continual presence of God through the Holy Spirit is every Christian's joy and how we truly can live an overcoming and triumphant life through this earthly journey. Anyone ever feel weary at times? The only way we get through this is by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you remember, Jesus first introduced this concept or this idea of living water, not here, but a few chapters ago, when he had the conversation with the Samaritan woman at the well. And there he told her, if you understood what I was about to give you and what I was offering, it would be me giving to you, not you giving water to me. Now he expands this idea to all who had gathered for this last day of the Feast of Tabernacles. This celebration was the perfect moment for Jesus to introduce the spirit as the never-ending supply of living water. They were celebrating God's provision of water coming out of a rock at a place called Meribah. The water came out of the rock as it was struck. For the water to come out in the example that was in the actual way it played out with Moses, the rock had to be broken. This foretold of something we're gonna celebrate at the end of the service today. That the living water, as John put it, would not come to you and me until after Jesus was glorified, meaning his crucifixion and resurrection. Before the day of Pentecost could come, before the spirit could be poured out on all flesh, Jesus had to be broken. Today, we approach the Lord's table, Holy Communion. It's a reminder that through his sacrifice, our sins are offered complete forgiveness, complete forgiveness. We are given the ever present ability to start new, to start fresh. I know I'm not alone. Many of us wish we could help people understand the power of that idea. The uh, to be able to come before God's presence and have him not look back in your life one minute. It's all washed away by this living water. And not as I'm just alluded to, not only are your sins forgiven, they're forgotten. Now, they're forgotten not because Jesus has a bad memory. And I completely understand, as I've gotten older, being able to forget things. Because I'm sure I'm the only one that's walked into a room and forgot why I was there. So you just pray for your pastor. A clean record for God, A clean record before God. And I really want the church to grasp this today. A clean record before God is our truth. Each one of us has things in our past that we wish were not there. But before God, we come to him with a clean record and that is the truth, that is the power, that is the understanding of how we relate to God. And added to all of this, this clean record, sins forgiven, sins forgotten, he promises every believer living water. Every believer. This is an offer to the world, but it must be accepted. And it's an offer that has conditions. You must come to Jesus, and you must drink. This Christian life is available to those who come to Jesus, not just to those who follow his principles. And I need to make that distinction because being kind to others is a very Christian thing to do. Turning the other cheek when you're offended is a very Christian thing to do. Laying down one's life for one's friends is a very Christian thing to do, spoken of in in the scriptures. Doing to others as you would have them do unto you is a very Christian thing to do. These are all Christian things to do, but they can be done without the Holy Spirit living deep within you. All of this can be practiced without actually coming to Jesus, without committing one's life to him, without entering into that love relationship that he died to make possible For you and me people not just need to follow his teachings we need to follow him into a love relationship with him we need to come and drink Jesus needs to be taken internally now obviously since back in February being diagnosed as diabetic I've become watchful of that thing called sugar. I monitor my glucose level every morning because I know from firsthand experience what happens when I take too much of that magical ingredient, sugar. Now, it's become a joke. All of us have said it. You'll be at a restaurant, having a nice meal, trying to behave yourself, And the waiter will bring by for someone else at another table this amazing piece of luscious chocolate cake. You can just look at it and it's like calling your name. It's calling out to you. And the comment we make to one another is just being within the vicinity of this chocolate cake, my sugar went up. Or you pass by donut shop and you see this luscious creamy sugary dessert and someone else is taking a bite and you think just by visualizing it my sugar went up. If you have a glucose monitor you can feel it just coming within 100 feet of a donut shop it starts to go off. Let me assure you that's not how it works the only way the excess sugar can impact your life is if it's taken internally the only way Jesus can impact your life is if he is taken internally the only way Jesus can in- impact your life is if he becomes your life your reason for being and this promise it's not just about what the Holy Spirit can bring to your life. Because he said, not only will you receive living water, but rivers of living water will flow out of you. How many know that we live in a world that could use some living water? It is dry and dusty. It amazes me. The things people will do to quench a thirst they have in life whether it's a disappointment or whatever, it amazes me what people will do to quench that thirst. It amazes me what Christians will do to quench that thirst in life. People in our day, inside the church and outside the church, are looking for something, and his name is Jesus. He possesses living water. The Holy Spirit can provide that answer to our lives. And sadly for the people in our world today, it's the worst kind of thirst. It's one they won't admit. Maybe you know someone like this, because of course, none of us have ever been like this. But everything in life can be really hurting, can be going wrong. You're dealing with a lot of things. And someone close to you says, Are you okay? And what's our normal kind of generic comment? Oh, I'm fine, liar. No, you're not, but we've got this thing that we're not going to go into it in a conversation that's kind of passing by, and I understand that. But we've got people in our culture, we've got people in our world, you've got people in your circles of influence that are hurting and they need living water. They're not going to find the answer for life's thirst in some entertainment celebrity. They're not going to find the answer for life's thirst in an inappropriate relationship. They're not going to find the answer for life's thirst in some medication or some other type of thing. They're only going to find the answer for life's thirst in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Revelation chapter 21 the end of the book verse 6 says he said to me it is done I am the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life God saved you from your sins so that you could have an abundant life End. it should be a comfort i find it a comfort but god didn't just save you for you he saved you so you could also be a source of living water to others that you could be a shining beacon a light whose light is on a hill because without jesus life is a dry land a dusty and dry land. <clears throat> Without Jesus, those who are walking around and say they have no hope, they're being honest. But with Jesus, it, life is a spring of living water. We all go through seasons. We all go through moments. We all go through those times when it just seems we've taken this gut punch. We as a church and the Capaldo family have done that recently. But even in the midst of those seasons, even in the midst of those times when it seems that what's happening makes absolutely no sense, we may not understand what God is doing, but that relationship with him, that love relationship is still strong because of that living water we have this precious gift all because the rock was struck the rock was bruised the rock was broken for you he was broken for you and he was broken for me that's why we celebrate holy communion that's why we celebrate, and it still amazes me when I think of the whole story and different substories within it, that in the midst of that last supper, in the midst of that table with his disciples, one of the things Jesus did was washed his disciples' feet. <coughs> All of them, even Judas' feet. And then right after washing his feet, he says, Judas, you know what you have to do, go do it. He knew Judas was going to betray him. And yet he washed his feet, got down on his knees, lowered himself, and washed the feet of his betrayer. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. That's a love relationship this world needs. That is living water. Stand with me, please.